0: Hi everyone and thanks for tuning back in. Today I fall into conversation with Sheila, also known as Sichopé. Sichopé is a holistic dance practitioner that focuses on African dance forms as a healing modality. She is also the founder of Sichopé Wellness, a company dedicated to promoting wellness mainly through movement. In this episode, we talk about dealing with what our guests would describe as a dance with depression from a young age, upbringing and the learnings that came with it.
1: Hey, so my name is Sheila Atta, also known as Sichoff fair I am born in London, but I am of Ghanaian descent. And I like to classify myself as a holistic dance practitioner that uses dance as a healing modality.
0: And in terms of like your your story, do you want to just kind
1: of break that down for us? <sighs> oh, my story, where to start, where to start?
0: So I would say mainly you know, your story with depression, you know, how it came about and, you know, if there were any triggers that kind of uh, set that off or when did you realise, you know, that you were dealing with depression? I know that was like a hundred questions in one, but.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's fine. So, yeah, I mean, I usually call it my, my dance with depression as opposed to like a battle with depression. And it took me a very long time to understand that that's what it was. So I I was diagnosed with clinical depression, uh, depression, sorry, when I was 14. So during my teenage years. Um, and there was a real sort of life changing event that had taken place. And I think that was what offset this particular feeling for me. So I I just remember being very much isolated, not wanting to connect with people, not wanting to speak to people, and just wanting to be by myself. Mm-hmm. And I felt like a growing despondency, like a growing dark, darkness and a growing pain, growing confusion. I just didn't really understand what it was, but I felt like this thing that I was in was growing. And for a while, what I was trying to do was find ways of just ignoring it, sidelining it and trying to get on with life. Because obviously during this time, I'm at secondary school doing my GCSEs. Yeah. You know? Um, so I was seeing how this was impacting not only my friendships but I was seeing how it was impacting my my just my results and just my attitude towards school and it got to that point where I was just like I just cannot do this anymore like I really cannot do this anymore it got to that point where I had been so anchored down it completely immobilized me I felt like I couldn't move I just felt stuck I just felt stuck and I think at that point I realized that I had to try and come face to face with this particular feeling. And I didn't know what that looked like at the time, but I knew that I couldn't continue running away from this particular feeling or these particular issues surrounding this feeling. Yeah, it came to that point where I was like, I have to, I have to confront this. I really have to confront this. And what I realized in this space of despondency and just feeling really stuck, I realized how much I really disliked myself. And that I was so disconnected with self. And I also realised, I think the biggest lesson for me in that space at that time was not knowing who I was. You know, I had taken on all the definitions and the ideas from other people in terms of who I should be. And I had ascribed to that, that I had almost aborted any idea of who I felt I could be. Mm. So I got to that point where I was like, who am I? (laughs) Who who am I? But what I did know was being myself. I just did not like. Her. I really didn't. I didn't like her. So, sort of fast forward in a couple of years, still feeling quite heavy, still feeling quite cumbersome. Um, I don't even know how I mustered the energy, but I decided to go to a, a one of my dance sessions. So at the time, I was still sort of dancing, very sporadic, but every now and then, you know, I'd go and dance just to sort of like just to release myself Mm. Um, but I hadn't danced in a while hadn't danced in a while and it was at this point where I was like I actually want to do a routine (laughs) and that's how I just saw it. I just wanted I want to do a routine I want to be around people which for me was was a bit like oh wow Sheila you want to you want to be in the you know presence of other people considering you've been by yourself for a while So I remember going to a dance, um, one of my dance sessions, and the session for me was just, it was so liberating. It was so beautiful. There was something in it that I had never experienced before. And I think at that point in my life, I realized that dance was presenting itself to me as something more than just entertainment. Mm. You know, it had presented itself to me as my therapist as my healer and that's when I realized okay dance dance is going to be the one thing dance is going to be the tool that's going to allow me to understand what this feeling is yeah to understand um, what this space is and it definitely it definitely became a mirror for me to really look at myself you know, and really look at all of these different aspects of myself and to begin challenging and to begin interrogating, and to begin understanding, unpacking, unpicking. It was a lot of work. Yeah, I can imagine. it was a lot of work, you know, um, and this work still continues to this very day. So it's not like, you know, everything was just doctored and medicated at that point. I just realized this was the beginning of my journey my journey of self-discovery my journey of healing my journey of wellness and at the time i didn't really have the vocabulary around what that was in -hmm. terms of it being healing or wellness i just knew that it was the beginning of me actually coming face to face with me and really understanding me and learning me and then also untethering myself from the ideas that had been imposed on me in Mm -hmm. terms of who i should be so at that point, I was like, I have choice. I have autonomy. I have agency. Oh my gosh, what does this actually look like? You know, how is this going to embed itself into my everyday? How is this going to embed itself into my language? How is this going to embed itself into my dance? You know, so it became very exploitative for me. Yeah. And that's been the journey ever since.
0: I think it's really important that people know or understand that your therapy so to speak doesn't have to be you talking to someone it could be you talking to someone but there's other ways people find it whether it's in sports whether it's in traveling whether it's in you know something else I think people tend to think that the only way you can seek that therapy or solace is by actually speaking to someone it's the only route that you can take so I feel like it's really important that you've shared that with us today and explaining that it doesn't have to be you know one route it could be something else that's completely different
1: Absolutely. And I think as well, it's just understanding that healing is not prescriptive. There isn't just one way of healing. Everyone is different. You know, people work with things differently, people have different practices that support them differently. So I think it's just understanding what best works for you
0: mm-hmm.
1: and taking that on to support you the best way that you can. Because I was actually assigned a psychologist mm-hmm. or a psychotherapist, and it was um, a white middle class man. Mm-hmm. And he really didn't understand me at all. He had me almost questioning my experiences, you know, just through his approach and his questioning. And he almost had me feeling like what I was feeling was wrong, you know, because he had an idea. He had these preconceived notions of who I was or at least who he thought I was as a black woman and why I was experiencing what I was experiencing, which was far from the truth at no point did he really try to listen and understand, you know? And I think it was at that point that I realized this type of modality doesn't work for me or he didn't, he didn't work for me. I think it was at that point that I realized, okay, if I'm going to be assigned psychologists or psychotherapists that treat me in this vein, Then this is not gonna work for me because all that's happening is my experiences are being stigmatized, you know, and this is not allowing me to work towards any real healing, you know, because I feel like I'm being judged in this particular space. So at that point, I had I had decided, okay, working with a a psychotherapist is not gonna work for me. Mm -hmm. And then I think at that point, that's when dance had actually sort of presented and revealed itself, not only as, like I said, a form of entertainment, but a real form of of healing mm. that considers me, or that at least considered me on a holistic level, taking mm. into consideration, you know, my mind, my spirit, my emotions, my body, like really holistic, really understanding all the faculties that make me who I am.
0: Mm. You know,
1: and I think for me at that point, I just felt indebted to dance. I was like, okay, I see where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to share you with the rest of the world, you know? Yeah. And that definitely lent impetus to the work that I do now and a lot of research that I do around dance as a healing modality, specifically um, movement of the African diaspora. So African dance forms, traditional African dance forms. I'm really looking at that um, as healing modalities because they have really spoken to me in a powerful and profound way, taking into consideration who I am, you know, my Africanness, my cultural heritage. I cult, like individual identity, cultural identity, everything has been taken into consideration. Mm. So it's something I, I I feel like I have to share with many people too.
0: I know you mentioned, one thing that you did mention actually was that your first kind of experience with depression was when you were 14 years old and when you were going through school. Um, how was that? And like, do you feel you could at that time, speak to your parents. What was the kind of cultural upbringing around mental health and stuff and when you're dealing with it at such a young age?
1: It was really difficult. And I think that's why I felt so isolated. And this is me not placing any blame or any fault on my parents at all, you know, because they did the best that they could. And I think it's just within our culture, the African culture, the conversations around mental health back then Weren't normal, normalized at all, you know, very much stigmatized. Um, so, just the concept of saying depression, <laughs> it was like, nope, that's not what you're experiencing. It's fine. You're just stressed. You know, it's temporary. Let's take it to the spiritual house and let's pray. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was their way of, way of dealing with things. And that's absolutely fine because that's what they grew up knowing. That's part of their spirituality. That's part of their, their ways of dealing with things and coping and management as well. So, they were just giving me. What they felt was best for me, yeah, you no, know? but I definitely understand that there was a a lack of education and a lack of knowledge around just the concept of mental health and what that actually entails, and what that looks like and how it presents itself because of that that lack of knowledge and and education, there wasn't a lot of space created for me to have really honest and candid conversations around what it was that I was experiencing mm. because I, I, I felt that I wouldn't be understood.
0: Yeah. And it was at the same, do you feel, like, in school? Was there anyone you could talk to, friends in school, or was it, again, the same kind of thing, you couldn't really talk about it?
1: I mean, at school, if I'm very honest, I just put on a brave face, you know? I, I would go on like everything was okay, like I wasn't really going through anything. You know, I would laugh and smile, but inside, I know that I was, I was hurting. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really let people know what it was that I was going through. I mm-hmm. felt like it was something that I had to, to go through alone. Mm. Once again, the conversations around mental health weren't healthy back then, as it is now today.
0: So do you think, like, looking back... Well, to be honest, I know what you mean, because it wasn't a thing. It's like you, I don't know about you, but when I was in school, it's like if you talk about these things, people can be like, that crazy girl, like she's always got issues and she's always got something going on. And then before you know it, that's what you're labeled as. And in school, I don't want to say it was about being popular. It was just about having, you know, being in a circle and you didn't want to be the the outsider, for example. But like looking back at what you went through, is there anything you think you would have wanted to change or that you would have wanted to do differently or not really?
1: If I had the knowledge that I have now back then, then I would have been more open with what it was that I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. But because there was a lack of knowledge and because there was a, a level of shame attached to what I was experiencing, I wasn't speaking. I wasn't I wasn't being open. So I think for me, if there was more knowledge and education around this, I definitely would have been more open about my experiences, yeah. um, especially with those who are close. You're really close, like my closest friends, you know.
0: Yeah. One of the things that you mentioned is dance is your way of healing. It's like your way of wellness. Has there ever been a point where it didn't work for you? Where, you know, did you have any other coping mechanisms or does is dance the one thing that you know is always gonna work for you?
1: So that's a really great question. Really, really great question. To be honest, during lockdown, I hardly danced. Mm. I hardly danced. And I mean that by saying that I hardly danced for myself. I didn't practice dance for myself. Um, I found other ways of just exploring wellness and healing and other ways of being creative, which serves as forms of healing as well. So for me, I love to meditate, love listening you know, to music, love cooking, love making things love singing, even though I can't sing, but love, <laughs> love singing, writing songs, poetry, journaling, going for walks, you know, like there, I feel like, yes, I am very much passionate about dance and I'm very passionate about how powerful dance is. But I also understand that there are different ways in which it can support me as well. Mm-hmm. So there'll be times where I feel there is a need to dance and there is a need to move. And there are other times where I'm like, maybe that doesn't work for me today. Or maybe I'm not going to do that today. Maybe it calls for me to just be still. Maybe it calls for me to journal. Maybe it calls for me to go downstairs and cook, you know, switch everything off and literally just cook and be very, very mindful whilst I'm cooking, mm. you know. So I found that there were there were other conduits and other vessels that spoke to healing and wellness for me. Yeah,
0: Is there anything that you kind of want to call out in terms of lessons or learnings that you feel are worth sharing for people who are either going through it whether they're young whether they are 14 and going through it, or whether as adults they're going through it?
1: I would start off by saying that whatever it is that you are feeling it is valid you know and it is okay like I said for me when I was experiencing what I was experiencing there was so much embarrassment attached to it and I found myself invalidating my experiences which further compounded the feeling you know so now i'm in a space where i always say honor honor how you feel because there is something in what you're feeling our emotions are educators yes they could be misleading but they're there to tell us something our triggers are also teachers they're there to teach us something so it's it's understanding that what we're feeling in any given moment is real it's valid and it's just understanding what it is that is trying to communicate with us you know and also just seeking support whether that is in a close friend whether that is a colleague um, a sibling just finding someone that you can actually speak to
0: Mm.
1: you know so that you are you're being heard you're being heard Um, and that also validates your experiences, it also validates your feelings. It doesn't make you feel like what you're going through is wrong, especially when you're trying to go through it alone. Yeah. You know, you're you're hit with so many different thoughts at the same time. You've got your doubt, you've got your fears, you've got your anxieties, you know, so all of that just it completely distorts what we're feeling. So I think it's really important to try and find someone to speak to. Mm. To speak to. And also I believe that we we are all creative beings as well. You know, a lot of people are like, no, I'm not creative because they see creativity as, you know, being able to dance or be in a particular artist. But I definitely feel like we all have some form of creativity that lives within us, you know, so it's understanding what that actually looks like and how you can actually manifest that, whether that is through knitting, Mm. whether that is, you know, whether that is through, I don't know, cooking or photography, whatever that may be. So taking up something that you actually enjoy. Which can actually serve as a form of healing and also allows you to understand what it is that you're going through to make sense of it in a different way so that you can then communicate it verbally.
0: Yeah. I think you've touched on two points that I kind of want to um, explore a bit further. So the first one was you said about having people to speak to. So when you are going through moments of depression and so on, do you find that you have, how do I say this? Do you find that you have people who take maybe your withdrawal? Like the way you react to maybe you don't want to speak to people be around people do people take that um personally like you know have you ever found that in friendships um or relationships that when you're not at your best because of something people take that as a personal thing towards them as opposed to what you're going through
1: absolutely absolutely and that's and that's because there's just a lack of communication mm-hmm. you know I think it, it it happens to everyone we all assume you know and then we 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 then see ourselves as almost being the problem, Mm -hmm. you know, or maybe it's because of me or maybe I didn't do this or, you know? Um, so yeah, a lot of people that I wasn't just being open with didn't really understand what was happening, even though they were reaching out, you know, my withdrawal made them think, what, what is this? What is happening? You know, what, 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 what does our friendship actually mean?
0: Yeah.
1: Is there even a friendship? Um, And I think at that point as well, I had to realize withdrawing its not actually helping me Mm -hmm. because there's healing in community. And that's something that we need to understand. We live in a society where we are acculturated to isolation and individualism and quarantining, for want of a better word, you know. (laughs) But, you know, we come we come from a culture where. We really appreciate and acknowledge the importance of the collective spirit. Yeah, you know, and I think it's something that we have to try and exercise now, even in um, in the Western world where it doesn't celebrate that as much. You know, that coming together, there's something so powerful in us actually coming together. And you see it when we we eat together. You know, you see it when we're partying together. You see the the vibration. You see the power. You see um you just you just see the solidarity you know and for me that is something that is so so important and i'm realizing that more so now that when we dance together we dance better yes as individuals we are strong but when we come together we are even stronger so for me i understand that working on myself is very important but i also have to understand that i am part of a collective self as well mm-hmm. so i don't always just have to feel like i have to do it alone you know sometimes it calls for me to have to do that within the community as well
0: Mm. Um, and the second thing that you touched on that I wanted to to bring back up is um the fact that people downplay their feelings because someone else has got it worse than you so you don't want to be seen as the person who's bringing this up when oh you know my friend Abby's this has happened to her three times and you know she doesn't have a problem and she's doing okay and I think the other thing I would say about that is I think it's really important point you said is that you shouldn't downplay your feelings because you're still human and everyone's pain thresholds and thresholds are different, you know. But yeah, that was a really good point. So I just wanted to highlight it again.
1: Oh, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Like I said, everyone, what everyone is going through is subjective and it's different. So it's not a case of saying that this person, what they're going through is worse than what you're going through. You know, it's just understanding that we're all going through it, <laughs> regardless, you know, we are all going through it. And I think we we all deserve a space where we can be open about whatever it is that we're going through.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, whether that is with a friend, like we've spoken about, a parent, a sibling or even a therapist. Yeah. You know, and if, if it is you um, working with a therapist, then it's about you doing your due diligence to find the right therapist to work with you to help sort of facilitate and guide and assist you during the session. Someone who is culturally sensitive, someone who is culturally appropriate, or at least understands the literacies around culture. But yeah, I think it's important just to find whatever it is that you feel is best suited to just enabling, enabling and supporting you the best way.
0: Yeah, for sure. One thing I did want to bring up was the fact that you now have uh, situ Wellness. So do you want to tell us what that is? You know, and we can go from there.
1: Brilliant. So sit your farewellness is when people ask me, I'm like, where do I start? And what is it? So I always start off by saying it, it was almost a direct response to what it was that I was going through. You know, that's how it surfaced. That's how it emerged. But I was sitting on it for a very long time and I didn't really understand what it was as well. I wanted to use dance as a healing modality and I wanted to give back. And that's as much as I, know, I, I had known at the time. But Sitra for Wellness is my company, which is um, dedicated towards wellness, dedicated towards healing, predominantly using dance. So that's mm. the primary tool that I use, as well as African worldview, African philosophies and African spirituality. So really bring mm. in parts of our systems into my practice to fully understand the black experience. You know, because I feel sometimes or not even sometimes, I feel that in the Western world, we're not really understood you know um and there are not a lot of spaces for us to be understood and as a result we find ourselves editing ourselves and mitigating ourselves which then affects us adversely so i wanted to create a space where we could actually just be us you know whatever that looks like because the black experience is not monolithic we are very very diverse you know so i wanted to just offer that space where people could just come and be themselves using dance primarily as a tool just to help them reclaim who they are reclaim their bodies reclaim their mind reclaim their spirituality whatever that is
0: where can we find you if that's something we want to be interested in to follow
1: i am on instagram i'm so bad with social media i'm trying to do <laughs> much better <laughs> but i am on instagram at situ- Fair Wellness. Um, Set Your Fair is spelled S-I-T-S-O-F-E and then wellness. And then my website is www.setyourfairwellness.com. Is there anything
0: you would want to leave us with?
1: I would just say, just be kind to yourself. You know, we are all going through it. We are all growing through it. So just be kind to yourself. The same way that you would be with a friend, the same way that you would be with a sibling or someone that you love. Um, be that way to yourself too you know because you deserve that and I'm, I'm a true believer that our healing is the most profound thing that we can offer the world so we have to understand that it starts with self you know not in a selfish way yeah. but understanding that the same way that you treat other people with love and kindness and grace you should be able to do that for yourself too so don't don't neglect yourself when it comes to wanting to be kind and wanting to be graceful and wanting to be lenient so I'll just I'll just say just be kind just be kind to yourself
0: oh bless
1: you thank you thank you so much it's your fair thank you thank you so much for having me you are absolutely amazing
0: oh, bless you. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope you've taken some key points from this episode. If you have any questions, please email fallintoconversation at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow the Instagram page, Fall Into Conversation, to look out for upcoming episodes and useful information.